know, I'm excited to talk about anxiety this week because um, Connie wants me to grow my beard out, and the itchiness involved with the beard is my definition of anxiety. <laughs> Interesting metaphor this morning. It's like a weird, creeping, itching feeling that's mm. like, ah. Oh. <laughs> How long is this going to take for you to grow out your beard? Uh, this is about six days. Huh? I'm on day six. I will say I did notice. Yeah, yeah. It's driving me insane. <laughs> but so we soldier on. So according to Samuel, anxiety is that itchy, annoying feeling. Of growing a beard. Is it a little painful too? It's 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 kind of like a heat on your face. I can't mm. describe it. Yeah. But uh, what I can describe is maybe like shaving your legs and getting the small hairs back. Is that something that itches? Stubble. Stubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, it's murder. But it's on your face. It's <laughs> no, it's on my legs. When it's on my legs, I just want to like claw my pants. Right, right. You leg. feel like the small friction. Yeah. Yep, yep, for sure. That's my day to day. That's your life right now. That's my but future. I- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, hi, everyone. Welcome to Community Roots a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I am Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And I'm Sarah Wakefield. Oh, wow. A first timer. Wait yeah. a second. I'm oh, a third timer. Yeah, but you got to introduce yourself with the rest of us. It's, it's great. It's true. Top tier. Moving up. I, I have no words. It's so exciting. I just <laughs> want to thank my mom and my dad <laughs> and all of the traumatic events that have brought me to this <laughs> time and place <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be here today if it weren't for <laughs> sorry mom and dad i do love you <laughs> yeah if you haven't guessed by now um we are adding sarah wakefield as one of our hosts into community roots yay. so yay and um our we, community roots family exactly well even the listener is a part of our community right. roots family and what's cool is Sarah Wakefield's been a listener since the beginning. She's had to be because she was our second guest. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm good friends with Julie. Yeah, it works out. Um, so anyway, you'll hear a lot more about Sarah Wakefield um, and uh, as you'll be hearing from her week to week. So welcome to the team. Thank you. And I'm excited to be here. And I just want to say, too, that I represent the community along with Samuel as the non-experts in the house, but also having journeyed just like Sam has through our own um, trauma slash mental health journey. I'm really excited to just be me and be here and be present. Yeah. Whenever um, Adrienne and mom are spouting the therapeutic jargon, Sarah and I are also just staring dumbfounded (laughs) as you (laughs) are. And they're here to call us out on it (laughs) and to say, wait, what are you talking about? And we need that because we really want this to be an engaging interaction and a conversation for everyone. So I think it's truly invaluable to have you here with us, Sarah. And you are a great processor, which we talked about last week, all the wonderful meanings that that has to unpack, untangle, explore, dig into... Um, I've always appreciated that in my friendship with Sarah and we just have great talks and deep conversations. And so she's a great person to bring onto the team. Very smart, very witty and fun to have around. So we're happy to have you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's so great because I really feel like community roots is just deep conversation. Um, and so it's easy to adapt. Um, I think even from somebody who is definitely not an expert 
um, to be able to just dig in deep and that word process is really cool because that's pretty much the show is us chewing on something and um, figuring out what it means and how it affects us and how it can impact us on a day-to-day moment-to-moment way I really like that to take mental health and grow our awareness and really truly from the beginning we talked about systemic change like this is how you change the world you become more awakened more aware in your own health in your own relationships and that has a ripple effect in all the positive ways that it reaches more people right that uh ripple effect that domino effect we talk about often so um i thought this was funny but not the (laughs) not the happiest episode to enter into our podcast on (laughs) come join us about anxiety (laughs) anxiety it should be titled anxiety behind the mic (laughs) (laughs) well i had some of that last week when i did the last session i was so worried about being a perfect imperfectionist (laughs) So it works out well. It's always applicable, I will say. The things that we talk about on here, we always end up seeing them show up in our daily life. Mm. Yeah, I am also a listener and I go through my day to day and I'm like, oh, I know what to do because of community roots. (laughs) So it's very interesting and I think helpful. So this week we are talking about um, anxiety in adults. Um, On our last community roots, um, we talked about anxiety in children. Uh, children have a different language than we do because they're just kind of talking about what's going on in their body. So it's 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 got to be translated. So if you have kids, then definitely go and check out last week's episode. And if you have anxiety, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's really so prevalent. I think anxiety is something that everybody can relate to on some level, at least. Maybe not always to a clinical point of panic attacks or anxiety attacks or things like that. But anxiety is really a normal part of our human experience. And I thought that would be an important way for us to start off talking about it is that I think people don't like anxiety and they want to get rid of it and they don't see any benefit in it. So what ends up happening is we become anxious about being anxious. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we have that first somatic feeling of Each person might experience it differently. Some people might have a strong beating heart, their heart races. They might have sweaty palms or sweaty feet or um, butterflies in their stomach or something somatic. And they know, "Uh uh-oh, I'm starting to feel anxious. Then that seems to escalate. Like if you could almost put it on a scale where, you know, I'm at a 10 right now and then it jumps to a 30 or to a 50 or 100 or something where I notice it's jolting me outside of my window of tolerance to go back to that episode. And I totally identify. I kind of thought how um, maybe if you're running late for something, how that anxiety definitely builds on itself. I think already being anxious puts you into a little bit of a spiral. Um, With my ADHD, we've talked about spiraling thoughts, like something that just kind of drags you down. And I can see how just a little bit of anxiety and then realizing you're anxious about it kind of makes the problem that you were originally anxious about bigger. Mm-hmm. Julie, you had talked about, um, I had two thoughts. One, you talked about the window. Um, and I wondered if you could expand on that just a little bit about this window of, is it tolerance? It is window of tolerance. Yes. Um, I, I wanted you to explain that a little bit more because that helped me identify my anxiety um, and at least be the, bring awareness 
to that anxiety. So, and that also helps me bring my anxiety down. It mm-hmm. gives me a calming effect by saying, oh my gosh, I think I'm outside the window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And also if you could speak to and um, fixing anxiety or actually getting rid of anxiety entirely. And is that possible? Mm-hmm. Because I had always hoped that getting rid of anxiety out of my life meant that I was healed. Mm. Um, you arrived somewhere. Yes, I had arrived and now I can move on with my life. Mm-hmm. So if you could you speak to those two topics? Yeah, I definitely want to sum up for anyone who's listening today what window of tolerance is and also mention that if you go back to one of our episodes, it's actually called window of tolerance. Yeah, if you are interested in this, check out CR5. Uh, We talk about window of tolerance. So it's our fifth Community Roots episode. So our window of tolerance is if you put, I remember doing this on that episode too, but if you put your arms parallel to each other and you can widen your window or shrink down your window, um, kind of like a garage door that's opening and closing. And our window can expand when we're in a really good place. Um, Anything that happens inside that window, we can have our ups and downs like a wave, but it's not too much for us. We feel pretty present and at peace. Even if things are hard, they're still okay. Everything's going to be okay. If our window shrinks and that kind of garage door or literal window is closing, then when those normal peaks and valleys happen in the day, they're going to happen outside of our window. And that's when we get into hyper arousal or hypo arousal. So hyper arousal would be our anxiety. It's something too intense. It can also be where our anger is, things of intense emotion. It's our sympathetic nervous system. We're highly stressed. And then if things happen outside of our window that are underneath, they are more of a hypo arousal or more of a depressive state or sometimes numb or checked out, um, dissociated, not present. So the goal of mental health then being, how do I learn how to widen my window? So anything that I do, whether it's going to counseling or having good nutrition, good exercise, movement, hydration, um, social interaction, all those things are widening my window. Yoga, meditation, um, anything that helps me feel more calm and present in my body makes my window widen so I can handle more. Mm. I'm not outside my bandwidth. Mm. Does that help clarify? Absolutely. I totally relate to the whole nutrition and sleep. And I think in yoga, the centeredness, this mindfulness, because when, when I don't take care of myself nutritionally and don't get enough sleep, um, I, I'm broken. I, that window is closes. Shut. Yeah. yeah. And then after outside of that, I, I can just feel myself like swinging wildly up and down and up and down. And, uh, I think you had mentioned before a long time ago, not on this podcast, but well, are you taking care of yourself nutritionally? And I'm like, whatever, I can live on popcorn and wine. That's totally <laughs> healthy. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not eating junk food. But I have noticed a huge difference when I do eat um, vegetables and fruits and Nutrients. some sort of protein. Yeah, my uh, my brain is calmer. My body feels calmer because it's getting everything it needs to function. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
So then Sarah had that second question mm. about um, whether you can treat anxiety or go away. Yeah, can I never, ever, ever deal with anxiety ever again? I want to go back, so I want you to... Um, I'm just writing go back. Because I just want to say the one good thing about the window is that it can change and it's always changing and it can open. So if we get discouraged that I can't handle anything, I am outside my window. I'm, um, I'm feeling just beyond what I can do. That's not a permanent state that you're in. We can widen the window. And so there's the hope in that of like, these are the things that's the investment I'm making in taking care of myself will widen my window and it will change how I feel. So your second question, Sarah, was, are we ever going to get rid of this anxiety? And is that even the goal? And the reality is that because it is so much part of our human experience, it serves a purpose. And we just need to understand a little bit of what even does our anxiety do for us in a positive way? Because it's trying to help us, protect us in some way. It has a job. It serves a purpose. And so if we think of that sympathetic nervous system, it actually helps activate us to do something. It gives us a surge of energy. Are we talking it's a primal instinct from back when we had saber-toothed tigers stalking us? Part, Yeah, part of your autonomic nervous system, that this is the way we're designed, that that is happening without us thinking about it. We're not making a decision. Do I need to gain more energy right now? It's actually just happening that when we need to activate that sympathetic nervous system, we do that every time we inhale, actually, our sympathetic nervous system is activated. So we're bringing in energy to take in to be able to do something. I just wanted to say that definitely everybody listening right now just took a deep breath because I saw Sarah do it and I did it myself. <laughs> like, let me try this out. Let me see what this feels like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's a great just like inserting a tip. It's not exactly a trick, but it is calming yourself by taking those deep breaths and, you know, counting to six as you breathe in, pausing and then slowly releasing is one way of de-escalating that sh- that anxiety because I definitely just took a deep breath in and held it because I'm like, oh, I'm so nervous. My first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're taking in the air with that inhale, that's your sympathetic nervous system is giving you energy to do something. And that's what our anxiety is kind of vamping us up for something. Mm-hmm. It's a motivation to get to something and do something. Sometimes we need some of that anxiety. You might feel it if you're a student that you have a test coming up. If you have a job and your boss gives you a deadline, you've got pressure for something. There is some sense of motivation that comes out of, I need to rally right now and do it. Like I need that energy to increase. So that's why uh, shortness of breath is often for me, Uh, an an anxious response like my body responds by breathing faster but more shallowly is that that makes sense that it's it's trying to vamp up some energy Mm -hmm. to tackle it the interesting thing is with our anxiety the calming part of the deep breathing actually comes in the exhale Mm. and a longer exhale because that is our parasympathetic nervous system that's activated which gives us peace and calming. So the inhale is, and I remember hearing this in the how to meditate series on the call map, mm-hmm. but the inhale is I'm awake and present and 
in this moment. And then the exhale is the I'm settling. My nervous system is calming and being present now. So it's like the inhale is the I'm arriving. I'm here. I'm able to give myself to this. The exhale is the I'm settling in. I'm calming down. About how many seconds should I be thinking about this in this intake and exhale? Is it like three seconds or should I do it for as long as possible? Breathe in and then slowly exhale. I just, can you speak to that? I think, I think you can pick your numbers. I've heard of all kinds of different ones. I've heard of like a four square type thing, you know, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, pause for four Mm. and like make the shape of a square. Mm. Um, Sometimes people say like, I think Adrienne, if she were on this episode, we could ask her because she's got something like a four, six, eight, or I don't know. I I get lost a little bit in the numbers of Mm. what it has to be. What I kind of focus on personally, what the goal I think would be is to expand your, your deepening Mm. in your diaphragm, not just shallow in your chest or in your top of your lungs, but going down deep with it. And so being able to expand and have a longer inhale and pausing exhaling that's calming down your nervous system so you can be more present it does seem something that i associate with anxiety sometimes is depression and that sort of thing but it seems like they're opposite responses is is that what you're saying as well so john allen has a book called coping with depression that talks about the differences between anxiety and depression um Going back to the window of tolerance, the anxiety would be the hyper arousal. The depression would be the hypo arousal. What he talks about is anxiety as being an excess of negative emotion and having um, too much that is overwhelming you kind of just builds anticipation and anxious thoughts and feelings. And then depression being a deficiency and not having enough um, positive emotion And so the goal then for us to know how to navigate with our anxiety or depression is that we need to kind of deactivate when we're feeling anxious because we want to feel more calm and relaxed. And if we're in a depressive mode, we need to activate and develop some interest and energy. I was totally just trying to mentally feel anxiety and then depression and anxiety to me does feel like you're put up to 11, like everything's very tense as opposed to depression where you are just more of tired. Sunk. Yeah, sunk, definitely. Or just feeling very low. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting just how I think I associate those two together. But that totally makes a lot of sense. And so does that also have to kind of bring in the window of tolerance? Is that kind of like your pendulum swinging wildly? Like you have now the extremes of both if something's wrong? Yeah. And they are so often linked together. I think that's where the window of tolerance makes sense because basically both are telling us that we're outside of our capacity to handle it. Like we've either gone to hyper arousal or hypo arousal. And sometimes both at the same time we are swinging on Mm -hmm extremes and anxiety Sarah you were mentioning a moment ago when we were talking about the excess of negative emotion that sometimes you can actually feel a lot of anxiety even about happy events like nervous energy something that you're excited about 
Yeah, Julie, I can relate to that excess negative emotion because it's not necessarily negative. It's an overwhelming amount of excess, for me, excess emotion. So, you know, in a dating life, when you go out on dates, for me, I get so anxious. And it's not necessarily because it's a negative feeling, but it's an overwhelming amount of excess emotion. And for me, that triggers into anxiety. Yeah, mom, I don't know if you know this, but I used to get so excited for Christmas that I would stay up late and get less sleep on the 23rd. So on the 24th, I could actually fall asleep because I remember too many times staying up in bed and I used to have a problem getting up out of bed and walking around anyway. Um, So yeah, just kind of coping with that excess excitement because I was so excited for Christmas the next morning that you would, uh, I would find it hard to sleep. And even though I associate anxiety with something negative, that is true. I totally see the excitement as well. Or right before getting on a roller coaster or that like mm-hmm. climb on the roller coaster where you're just like, uh, or a scary movie even. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Or even taking a test. Taking a yeah, test isn't yeah. necessarily a negative experience, although who wants to take a test? But it is an overwhelming amount of emotion. So I do think of anxiety as being a bad thing. So then I get anxious because I'm anxious and I'm judging myself and I'm judging my feelings and it just kind of spirals. And you'd mentioned that spiral earlier. We talk about reframes sometimes. Whenever you're feeling anxious, is it good to say like, oh, this is my body just amping up, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of even if I'm feeling anxious about a situation that isn't necessarily requiring um, like physical feats or maybe even anxious for a date or something like that. Being able to say, Oh, my body's just telling me that I'm ready to fight this. Like I'm mm-hmm. ready to do this. I'm ready to jump. Um, reframing. Is that one way Absolutely. that you can deal with? Yeah. And just being able to acknowledge, you know, when we talked with the episode about children and anxiety, we talked about the amygdala a little bit and that it's there to protect you and, that you can kind of talk to your amygdala a little bit, turn it into a character that you just let it know that, you know, I hear you. Thank you for being here to try to protect me. This is not an emergency and kind of reminding yourself getting back, you know, grounded in the present because often when we feel anxiety, it's about something in the future that's about to happen. Or maybe we feel anxious about how something went in the past an interaction, a conversation, something that we still feel nervous about afterwards. What's that person thinking? You know, did I just screw something up? Or, you know, we can start to get off with lots of ruminating or something. All of that is taking us out of the present. And so being able to ground ourselves and be able to say, okay, I'm noticing that I'm feeling this anxiety and it's okay. I'm here now. I'm present now. And this is not an emergency. I'm going to be okay. I am safe here. And so acknowledging kind of the good job that your amygdala is doing and wanting to protect you and care for you and help you. Sometimes, especially with my own journey about ADHD, I felt frustrated with my body, like I was fighting my body. Mm. And I think it's a cool reframe, even in terms of how my relationship with emotions and feelings has changed from a, Oh, I don't want to be this way. I'm, I hate when my body does this or whenever I get upset and instead taking it more of as my body's trying to tell me something and 
trying to use that in a way. I also think thinking of my amygdala instead as something that's just trigger happy or something like that as a warrior who's just like, Hey, I've got your back anytime. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're feeling something. And I think that changes my perspective a little bit to see my body and mind as one thing, not something that's fighting itself. I think that's really cool. (laughs) I like that idea of that warrior Mm -hmm. of that warrior fighting for you um, and defending because I tend to, judge myself I go straight into almost the sense of worthlessness of how could you be anxious about this you'll never get over it not that you need to get over it but you'll you'll continue to do this for the rest of your life this is your world this is what you do I catastrophize you're never going to be able to have a productive life in society or anything like that I mean that's my anxiety speaking at the time but then I compound it by judging instead of I'm just kind of being grateful for having a response. So I think I will take that warrior image with me. I really like that. Yeah, shout out to those books that we mentioned last week. Mom has more information and you can check it out in the show notes um, for CR whatever. <laughs> but essentially uh, it's a easy to understand storybook for kids that shows the amygdala as like this big warrior. And it's really cool. And I read it after like dropping out of school and moving back to Columbus. And it was a big help in terms of how you view your body and how just in terms of I'm glad that my body's got my back and that we're on the same side. You you just have to take care of it in terms of stuff that we've talked about with widening your window of tolerance. I love how you're talking about emotions and having a relationship with them and with yourself of we can really defeat ourselves when we're so fractured in so many parts that we're fighting against that we think, I don't like that part of me. I don't want that. I don't want the anxiety. Um, and we want to get rid of it instead of like you had mentioned so wisely. So Mm. that your emotions are an indicator. They're not good or bad. They're not, if we can get rid of the judgment towards our emotions, our our experiences, our body sensations, all of that, get rid of the judgment piece of it and just allow it to be there to tell us something to help us to help kind of determine what is it that I need in this moment? How can I help meet the need that my body is trying to be on my team to help take good care of me? There's something there for me that I can use as helpful information. I got to say, having a relationship with my emotions has been one of the most difficult aspects of mental health and growth because, you know, it's so easy not to address your emotions. And if I stuff them down, then I don't have to address any of the trauma that's associated with those. I don't have to dig into that. And emotions are bad. That's what I always thought. You know, there's a stigma with girls with crying. I remember through public school. I was homeschooled for so long that I I didn't really spend a lot of time with girls my own age. And when I got to public school, one of the biggest things I remembered was these girls saying, oh, I I just can't help it. I'm crying. And I attributed emotions as to being some sort of weakness. I wanted to be strong and I wanted to overcome all of my circumstances. So having a relationship with my emotions was something very foreign to me, crying, even anger, 
um, joy, I was, I can accept joy. I can accept happy, all the good feelings, but the negative feelings are the things that I think of as being negative. I don't want a relationship with that. And so growing up, I just suppressed those. If it was a negative feeling or if it made me feel bad, we don't address it. Um, and that's nothing that my family did. It was just me based on trauma. So then part of my growth, part of this journey has been addressing those emotions and saying, it's okay to have these feelings. These feelings aren't bad. These feelings don't make you a bad person. These feelings are just information. They are your body identifying with something and then trying to tell you what it's, how it's identifying with that thing or with that experience. The biggest thing for me to overcome was these feelings don't make me a bad person. That was just like the straight ju- the judgment I went straight to. Um, so that really and that feelings aren't a sign of weakness; they're a sign of being human and vitally alive. And they actually allow us to feel and to connect and to relate and have empathy for each other and to feel more vibrant and more engaged with life. That's what our feelings do for us. And it's always a sign of mental health when we can feel our feelings and that we don't have to stuff them, avoid them, medicate them, um, deny them, bury them. So then how do you, with this overwhelming amount of feelings that contributes to anxiety, how do we negotiate that relationship where we can still feel our feelings, but yet they're not overwhelming us and sending us into anxiety? Yeah, I think that that picture of that window of tolerance makes so much sense because that is as you're widening your window, as you're becoming more present and able to just acknowledge what you think and feel and validate what that is and view that in a very curious and compassionate way that you say, okay, I wonder what that is that is stirred up in me. I'm curious about that. I'm, I, I like to hold my hands out, you know, how do I describe what I'm doing here? You're cupping your hands like yeah. you're filling with some water. Okay. So if you hold your hands out with this open hands of like, I'm just receptive to, I'm willing to hear, I'm willing to be curious about it. I'm also able to kind of hold the tenderness of my heart and the vulnerability of my heart mm-hmm. in that way that I'm holding space for that. And it's a very nurturing way to view myself and to view others of vulnerability is not weakness having our emotions is not weakness it's humanity that is has an opportunity to be fully alive and vibrant yeah whenever i just wanted to add to that thought and kind of show my own perspective as well with whenever i was thinking about what you were saying sarah in terms of like uh stuffing down your emotions and fighting your emotions it brought me to at the beginning of our conversation about anxiety kind of compounding on itself. Once you realize that you have anxiety, you have more anxiety. And I can totally see that with stuffing down anxiety, which just causes it to build. Mm. Um, It's different, I think, than stuffing down anger or something like that. But it's something that just kind of compounds on itself. Um, And then kind of what mom's saying with the cupping of the hands, what I like to envision is a detective trying to figure out and investigate, ask yourself some questions because your body is giving you that alarm. Hey, this is what you're feeling right now. This is happening. And emotions to me, they bleed over. They're approximate. They're not always, um, 
they they're valid but they're not always like accurate to what's going on mm. representative or justified even um but uh just to say being a detective asking those questions and saying why do i feel this way does this make me feel anxiety sometimes i talk to myself and i ask and i give myself a couple questions kind of like an eye doctor giving you is it one or two? And so I think about my anxious situations and I think, okay, does this give me anxiety or does the other thing give me anxiety? And then I can almost kind of feel my way down what is going on. And then I can also ask myself other questions that we've talked about today too is, have I eaten? Have I slept? Like, is this growing out of proportion because I'm just at a loss for energy or a single stream of thought. If I haven't slept in eight hours, everything's going to, I mean, if I haven't slept that night, if I haven't slept for <laughs> eight hours, like me, Sam. I, can <laughs> yeah. take a, I can sleep anytime. If I haven't had three naps a day, um, <laughs> then I can't think straight. And so, um, that makes everything more anxious, even like going to the bank and being like, I should have made that turn. I can't even, and it's just, am I really anxious about the bank or am I just tired? Mm -hmm. And so giving myself multiple questions, multiple views, I like thinking of a detective. I want to just interject here. We've mentioned before about not using the question of why, because why is anxiety producing? And mm -hmm. it kind of gives you this feeling of being backed into a corner when someone says to you, why did you do that? Well, all of a sudden you're put on the defense of trying to, you know, feel guilty, bad. Oh, I don't know. What did I do wrong? Instead of saying why we can say things like, I wonder what is happening in this. I wonder, I'm curious about what could be contributing to this because that tends to be more grounding than a question like why, because sometimes people escalate and say, I don't know why I don't know. And they, they feel more upset by it so if you can kind of train yourself a little bit to ask the questions of just sitting with something and saying I wonder what's going on with this I wonder what's contributing to this it's a more settled sort of you can even notice the difference in your nervous system when you hear those two sets of questions I think I also think it kind of seems like what we were talking about last week perfectionism versus being in process like saying I wonder how I feel about that is more of saying I still have something yet to explore as opposed to why do I feel about this? It's like, well, what's the answer? Yeah. Like you should have already arrived yeah, at a conclusion and yeah. you might not have or, the conclusion yet. Right. Exactly. So I like that reframe as well. Being able to say, Hmm, I wonder how I feel. Mm -hmm. And just being able to hold space with that. It's, it is in process of, I'm kind of exploring it more. I'm wondering about it. And I'm going to hold that with curiosity and compassion as opposed to with judgment and criticism. It's not that something's wrong necessarily. It's that I'm just wanting to explore what I'm experiencing and then ultimately what I'm needing so that I can get my needs met in a healthy way. So one of the things to just to reflect on briefly we've we've mentioned this idea of anxiety as kind of an excess a lot of overwhelm and depression being kind of a deficiency of and not having enough of um but what do we do whenever we have the awareness that we're starting to feel really anxious i thought there was a cool reflection in 
um, one of my yoga groups that I'm in, where they talked about this idea of meeting the state or changing the state. That sometimes when you're feeling really anxious, you can meet the state by having a really physical activity. Um, it could be exercise, it could be yoga, something that's getting the energy out. You can think in terms of like a child running in circles because they are just really wound up and really hyper at that moment and they need to get the energy out. That's a way to meet the state. And then it's a different sort of activity that we're trying to do whenever we want to change the state um, to get to a calmer place. And both of those can actually help our emotional regulation. We can either try to get out some of the excess energy because we don't know what to do with all that anxiety that's building up. Sometimes we can do that with like tensing up our muscles and doing progressive muscle relaxation by tensing and then releasing each muscle group, maybe from starting at our toes, working our way up our legs, our stomach, our arms, our shoulders, our neck, and making everything tense and then releasing it. And so we can actually work with the anxiety directly like that, or we can work to focus on what are the things that we can do that can calm. One of the things that I do when I'm feeling extremely anxious and I'm driving and I have no way of unbottling all of that, I will roll up my windows if they're down and then I will take a deep breath in and then I will yell as loud as I can until all the blood rushes to my face and I do this in a very safe place, so I'm not dangerously weaving through Columbus. But it is one way for me to expend that energy and to get all those chemicals and to get everything out of my system. It might not be the prettiest and it might not be the most graceful way, you know, via yoga or something. But it is one way when I feel trapped that is how I can express myself. A major release. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I so want to be driving next to you whenever that happens. <laughs> I just want to be able to look over and go, oh, yeah, there's Sarah doing her her release. I just want to drive up and witness it myself. I can also imagine like it's a you're driving along and you're like, wow, traffic's pretty light today. And you look over and Sarah's screaming in her car and you're just like, wow, apparently no traffic is the only way for them to drive. But I see that as well. I also think of too, like um, watching a sad movie whenever you're depressed to just get some tears out. Sometimes you need it to be able just to kind surface. Of right. Yeah. You did something with the Community Roots um, Spotify account and you added, was Hello Darkness, My Old Friend? Oh, yeah. And I remember questioning that. And like, I think, what are you doing there? Like, that's so <laughs> sad. Why would you put that on this, this channel for everybody to hear? But I think, Sam, that's a great point of, you know, bringing yourself, maybe you're in Allowing that Allowing yourself to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah, plug. we did unpack that um, in our music in the polyvagal um, episode about how sometimes you can allow it to come out that way. Yeah, it's go back thing. and listen to our archive because already as I look through our episodes, we've covered a lot of stuff and this might be about our 30th episode, 32nd episode. So there's a good backlog of stuff mm -hmm. that we've talked about ranging from like divorce and suicide in terms of specific events to emotions, music, how to build community. There's so much there. Boundaries. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely go and back. And our playlist on Spotify for people that want to listen to some tunes. 
Um, I wanted to mention the resource by Hey Sigmund. We had mentioned with the children and anxiety episode, they have a great article called Dealing with Anxiety and an Anxious Mind um, that is brilliant. It is talking about that those who have anxiety, which is really all of us, we have a strong, powerful mind. That anxiety is not saying that you are weak or incapable. It's actually that you have a lot of strength and power that your protective mind is fiercely using and how do we help get it to work? So using this strength of our mind to actually be something that can work for us. And so sometimes it's, you know, can I be more present where I am and allow this anxiety to settle into the present and give me the energy that I need for what I need to do in that moment and to know that right now right here I'm safe I'm present I can see the sky I can feel the breeze against my skin I can hear footsteps that my feet are on the ground and I'm grounded and present Um, another thing you can do is to not hurry to change what you're thinking and feeling but just kind of allow yourself to sit with what what is present and to know that that it's okay where you are that it's okay to feel all those feelings because they aren't going to stay forever they will change they will come in and out like a wave and just observe them um, without trying to overly engage them or change them one of the other things you can do is take a deep breath and look around you and realize what you're grateful for. <laughs> and uh, we talk about this a lot on the episodes, um, which is just being grateful. And I think that's one of my ways of meditating. I think, too, when you check out the Community Roots Facebook page, you'll see lots of um, affirming and validating posts and advice when it comes to anxiety memes and things yeah. can really be if you don't have time to read a whole book and you you just need something to kind of ground you or to come back to having a meme is actually I think a great pause in the day and something to kind of refocus your attention so as always we have so much to talk about and not enough time <laughs> so it happens Um, but, uh, we obviously have a lot more thoughts about this, uh, as we start talking about releasing our Patreon and stuff like that, uh, we'll have discussion pages where we can talk about this stuff as a community. Um, another thing that you can do always is email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com because we want to hear from you and, um, anxiety is something that we all deal with and as is the plethora of things that we talk about. And so having a discussion about it is ways that we can share our experiences and learn from both of them. Um, So anyway, uh, the way I love to end episodes is with gratitudes, things that we're thankful for. And, um, oh, today I thought of my gratitude because I was browsing Reddit and (laughs) I ran across two puppy dog pictures in a row. And our family chat often includes small dog pictures. So I am... Cat photos are great, but puppy photos, top tier. Those are the best. <laughs> what about kitten photos? Oh, you just Pass. made a face. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> uh, well, my gratitude is truly to have Sarah on our team and to 
um, be in a new season. And we're, I'm just really excited to have you with us and, and the opportunities of spending time together and, and healing and growing and processing together. I just am happy to have you be a part of our team. Hmm. I think that segues nicely into my gratitude is being welcomed into this team and given this opportunity to explore something that maybe years ago would have given me anxiety and I'm just grateful to be here and to have made it this far in my journey and a lot of that comes to you thank you Aww. I'm still happy for a photos though I'm sticking with mine <laughs> anyway thanks so much for joining us this week um, we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in